Hey everybody, this is Atkins. And this is Adam. And we're bringing you another episode of the Almighty Podcast. Two weeks in a row, you lucky people, you. Well, only if you go back and listen to episode one, because last week we really, or not last week, two weeks ago, well, yeah, last week, we released a new episode, but it's a re-recording of episode one. Yeah, and I had to um, be very explicit on the Twitters, not with like language, but just being very clear that that episode one isn't like we went back and like EQ'd our original episode one. We did it wholly new. We took new notes. We had whole new conversations. New jokes were made. Um, and we did that because so many people were finding the AMP and we really wanted their first impression outside of the welcome, which many people were clicking on as well, um, to be, uh, you know, a couple steps above what episode one's quality was because it, it production wise, it wasn't really an episode. We just kind of forced it to be one. Uh, yeah. And if for some reason you really like that original episode one, it's now 1.1. It's still there. You can go listen to it if that's your your jam for whatever reason but i think the new episode one's like well polished it's it definitely closer aligns to what we consider as the amp these days yes 100 percent. so if you're listening to this and you are unaware that we did that go just scroll back or, or flip your podcatcher to be uh, oldest to newest and it should be i think the second thing it should go welcome then episode one then 1.1 i think is how it works if anything it's a pretty wild thing like episode to listen to just because of where we're at in season six and where the characters were in episode one. I mean, even the voice actors hadn't really settled into their, their characters yet. I, I don't know about you, Adam, but I had to work so hard not to spoil things in my notes and in our discussions. I think I hinted non-spoilery at some things as like little Easter eggs for people yeah. that are anime current and then understood why I was highlighting Hero 2, for instance. Yeah, yeah, um, exactly. And I think you made you made a couple of, like, references to, like, oh, it's not important now, but it will be later. And, and you right. know, it was really wild just seeing Dr. Garaki again in Episode 1. Like, wow. I don't know. Going back in time, like, I think we even kind of guessed, like, oh, something's up with this doctor. But, but now it's, like, knowing where we are in Episodes 127 and 128 with him being arrested, being put in prison for all this crazy stuff, and having seen him on Episode 1 on a rewatch, I don't know. I got chills when I saw him. I was like, oh, it's the guy. <laughs> yeah. So super fun. Go and listen to or re-listen to or listen. You're not re-listening to episode one because it's not episode one. It's a new experience. I mean, it is. It's so confusing to talk about it now. (laughs) Like it's (laughs) totally episode one. They're not here for episode one. one. They're not not re-listening to one one when you listen to one. You're listening to a new episode one. Anyway, it's there. Just flip your podcatcher around and it'll be fine. But let's jump into episode 122 of the Almighty Podcast, which is covers episodes 127 and 128 of My Hero Academia, which, in their own turns, cover chapters 296 through 298 of the manga. Any weirdness in those chapters that people should skip over pages that have other stuff or anything like that? No. You know, there are some differences between the chapters and the anime representation um, of them. Some of them were good. Uh, some of them aren't. I'll just go ahead and I'm just going to go ahead and let y'all know. I am I I go from one extreme to the other with both of these episodes of like there are things that I really like about them and then there are things that I absolutely hate. And if you listen to the AMP at all, you know that I am I'm going to have major beef with 127 because um, <laughs> yeah. I've I've gone on long rants about uh, an, a minute of recap. Episode 127 was like 
fully half the episode was just recap and that, I mean, that just ticked me right off. Even my episode notes are literally half of that for 128 because pretty much the first 13 minutes of that, not including the intro, are recap. But why don't you say we jump into 127 without the recap? Uh, episode 127 was titled Hellish Hell, which, my goodness, the situation the characters find themselves in, very uh, hellacious to say the least. But See, I thought that they called it Hellish Hell precisely because they were going to subject me to half an episode of recap. <laughs> they, they knew. The creators, Horikoshi, all of them, they were like, we're going to get that Adkins guy. They're out yeah, for you. Hellish, my hell is a cold, frozen over place wherein I'm living in a musical and all anime episodes are 80% recap like 127. Man, that's wild. Well, it'd be a good way to stretch out an anime. Like, do you think that's what One Piece is doing? Like, every episode is just 20-minute recaps with one new story beat in five minutes or less and then credits? Man, I don't have time for One Piece. (laughs) Well, we start this episode off uh, with something that I thought was really tragic. It's that All Might statue that we've seen. I think we even see it in episode one, if I remember correctly. Him standing there with his fist in the air and he's got this sign hanging over his, uh, his neck that just says i am not here and it's like dang that is i don't know for whatever reason the third time i watched this episode was the time that i really caught that and i just thought to myself like that is can you imagine all might seeing that he would just have so much of a heartbreak there uh but we go right from that statue to midoriya being the narrator pretty much just explaining that it was a long time after those events that he read the report on them And there was actually this whole scenario that took place before the operation got kicked off, where effectively the safety commission had invited a Detnarat, I think is how you pronounce this company, Mm -hmm. to meet with them and discuss like a joint venture for these support items that Detnarat was creating. Now, we are aware that Redestro was, I guess, effectively the representative or the leader of Detnarat, and he is like in this limousine talking with his assistant about how great of an opportunity this is. He's going to meet the safety commission, get super deep in with them, and they're going to figure out who this identity of this child is that the safety commission has been raising to basically be their like child agent and i got the feeling he was talking about hawks uh which is pretty wild that he's aware that that existed and uh, we we see him arrive at this you know location to meet up with the safety commission but the moment that they walk in they pretty much pull guns on redestro he stresses out uh he starts to swell up and then we kind of cut we see that the main leader of the commission uh the safety commission the woman has been murdered along with Redestro's assistant and a couple of other individuals. There's a bunch of heroes kind of watching as he basically melts away, and we find out that it's actually one of Twice's uh, clones, and that the real Redestro must have been at Gunga Village. And then, literally, we get recap for the next ten minutes, basically. Yeah, it's gross. I will say, um, the manga representation of Redestro's visit is like a page, maybe, maybe two max. Uh, and it doesn't, I, I like that the anime stretched that out a little bit, um, because you get none of the like car ride, none of the, um, him talking about, um, putting in back doors and planting spies and figuring out who this spy is, all this kind of thing. Uh, you just see him already melting as a Dobby, cl- or not as a Dobby clone, as a twice clone. I felt a little um, bad for his assistant. Like, I guess she wasn't important enough to get a clone. She just died. <laughs> yeah, she's dead. I will say, too, Mark pointed out to me that apparently in the manga, you don't find out that the the president of the PSC or the the head of it is actually dead in the manga itself. You find out in like some like, uh, you know, bonus content page in one of the mangas. They casually mention that she died, whereas oh, wow. in the anime, they're like, oh, yeah, she's dead. I wonder why they waited to show this off. I mean, this felt like it could have fit in 
in episode one of the season. Like it didn't enhance that that operation's failure. You know what I mean? Yeah, the timing it it was still very clunky, but uh, I guess the clunkiness is there in the in the uh, manga as well. In fact, it might be even more clunky. I'm pretty sure that that stuff doesn't come in the manga until the later chapters. It's not in 296. I think it might even be in 298. Man, I wonder, like, it just feels like they're planting seeds here, but because of the way that they've shown us this information, it feels weird. Like, it just feels totally out of place to me. Uh, but regardless of that, after the recap, we're kind of keyed in by Midoriya's narrator, or narrator Midoriya, that uh, there was more in this report regarding the students, or really nothing at all, like basically all the heroes on the scene have denied that the students were involved against the fight with Shigaraki at all. And that was really, that was all that was written about them in this report. They've kind of just been left out of it entirely, which, man, I don't know that that is a good decision. Uh, if anything, just because like the civilians in this episode are heavily questioning the hero society, their actions, you know, all these cover-ups with Endeavor and what's been going on. So for them to just continue covering things up does not feel like it's going to bode well for them. Yeah, I mean, they got redacted like Koichi did from the Sky Egg incident, only this time I do wonder if they're not caught between a rock and a hard place with, do we tell them that we had child soldiers on the front line? You know, like, do we tell them that these kids were directly involved in the the most devastating and and lethal hero, you know, action of all time? I think they might have been fine if if they're like, yeah, we had some heroes, some student heroes, even even licensed, actually, uh, there. A couple of them were on the front line briefly, but then were escorted back to the rear guard, uh, like Honanuki and uh, Kaminari and etc. But most of them were assisting with civilian um, civilian evacuation. I think they could have gotten away if that had remained the case. Uh, but for them to say, uh, to, to I guess to be open and say students did end up uh, on the scene in the fights with the, the Nomu in, in Shikaraki and they're laid up, one of them is maybe in a coma. Um, you know, like that, which way do you go? Do you tell the truth or do you kind of obscure that? Um, so I, I I kind of understand it, maybe what they're trying to not put out to the public. I guess I kind of get it, but it just feels like a catch 22 with the scenario they found themselves in. And I mean, realistically, the fact that those students were there is likely one of the biggest reasons that some of those heroes are still alive and to not recognize that feels like a mistake. Well, yeah, I, I can understand that. I think the biggest mistake is that um, Midoriya is like, that was all that was written about me, Kachan, and Todoroki. And I was like, uh, others were there. Yeah, <laughs> like other yeah. student heroes. What about them? <laughs> they weren't even in the report to be written out, according to him. Yeah, well, and I'm wondering, like, did they mention anything about Momo using the uh, uh, anesthetics on Gigantomachia? Like, surely all that stuff was left out, too. No one's mentioning that encounter, you know? It's, so it's it's interesting, like, what they've chosen to leave in versus what they didn't. Uh, but as this is kind of wrapping up, we see Midoriya... Ooh, what if it's just because they're minors? Like, you know how, like, in certain police reports, they won't... Like, even if a minor is arrested, they can't release the name? Maybe if it's maybe it's just an age thing, and we're we're way overthinking this. It, oh yeah, I'm sure it, it could just be an age thing. But I also think it makes them look bad. Like, hey, look, our number one hero got bested, but we had a couple of kids on site that turned out okay. <laughs> like, yeah, <laughs> I mean that doesn't look good either. You know what I mean? Right, uh, right. But I also wouldn't have put it past some of those villains to have recorded everything. I mean, they had skeptic there. I would be very shocked if he didn't have footage of everything that took place in that fight. And if that gets released later, psh, like this hero society, they're just going to be caught up in more. They're they're just going to be battling lies that they created. You know what I mean? 
Right. Yeah, it's definitely, this whole thing is a mess. The, the one, like I said, I burned hot and cold on these episodes. The one thing that I thought 127 did extremely well wasn't the recap stuff. It was, they did an exceedingly good job, in my opinion, of painting the devastation. Oh, I agree. Uh, toward, especially the back half of this episode is so good. But I will also say that because they excelled in that so well in 127, they way underdelivered on that in 128, and so that made me salty all over again. But we'll get we'll um, get there. We'll get there. Yeah, That's we'll 20 get there. minutes we'll from there. now. <laughs> yeah, Garaki um, is the, we we get the rundown of uh, the rap sheets, right? So Garaki is arrested for aiding and abetting murderer, mutilating corpses, illegal construction, which I just freaking love that they included that. It's just like yeah. dude didn't have permits. Charge him. The books like for them, all man. of these other things, he's like he didn't have a permit. Um, that was I loved that. Um, uh, Gigantomaki gets captured. Uh, he's being transported to Tartarus. We find out later. Compress is captured. He's unconscious. Uh, so, uh, some of the Nomus were restrained in Maidens, um, and they're going to be autopsied, which... Yeah, which feels... I don't... Like, are they alive or dead? You, you yeah, know what I mean? That's a, that is a really... You know what? There was a time in, uh, in my tenure at Nerds on Earth where I pitched a philosophical post about exactly that. Um, and it it wasn't it wasn't a uh, valued as a as a piece, uh, and and like it was a in depth discussion. This would have been going back all the way to the first no movement, like the USJ. I was like, this raises all sorts of ethical questions. Yeah. Um, and part of that would have been, how do you treat them? Um, and uh, yeah, so that that question comes up here. Uh, the equipment from the hospital has been retrieved and is being examined. They're, basically, the good guys are trying to play catch up on what Garaki has developed. Um, Reed Distro is saying that the liberation isn't over yet. This is back at uh, the Gunga Villa, and he gets a uh, thousand sheet pierced again because I guess the first time was ineffective. Because that totally happened at the beginning of the Gunga Villa thing, right? I'm not misremembering that. No, you're not. I think he's gotten hit a couple of times. I just think that his quirk allows him to take a lot of damage. Oh. I am misremembering that because the first thousand sheet pierce, he was still underground because Tokoyami hadn't gotten down there. So he, I guess he just gets thousand sheet pierced for the first time. I still love that uh, old boy uh, Ed shot says Ninpo thousand sheet pierce. Like I could guarantee you every bottom dollar that his quirk is not activated by deploying the word Ninpo before everything that he does. It's just, it's just his, like his literal quirky ninja thing. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Uh, we also catch up with like Getten, who is trying to fight off against Cementos, but it's wild because Cementos does exactly what I said. He just basically covers him in like a, a cement grave. Uh, and there's kind of some interesting dialogue here because Getten tells Cementos, like, man, you're just a dog wagging his tail for the government. And Cementos is like, yeah, I'm fine to be that dog if it means we have peace. Like, that's a price I'm totally willing to pay. And then just covers him in cement. <laughs> Yeah, we get uh, the rundown that Redestro getting Hanabata plus 16,929 PLF members were captured, uh, but 132 do still remain at large. Uh, and also that this was an even larger scale coordinated um, event by the, uh, by the uh, Heroes Commission because they struck at all these other PLF whereabouts and made other right. arrests. Um, we obviously we had seen slide and go had been uh, approached by I think it was Death Arms that walked I think up it on was him. Death Arms, yeah, um, yeah. There's some other hero in there that I don't recognize and nobody probably knows who he is. But um, this is where we get to the best stuff 
in 127. Uh, the, the, just the communication of the devastation in this episode was so freaking effective. Uh, this, this, I don't, I should have put a timestamp on it. I should have been like, skip to this point in the episode and watch it because that's, that's where, that's where the good stuff is. You could, you could not watch the first 60, 70% of this episode and not miss anything, um, besides some fancy numbers. But the, the last like 10 minutes or whatever this stuff covers is absolutely executed excellently. It's bonkers. Yeah, I mean, we we see like the devastation around that hospital and just all of this city that's crumbling in on itself. And there's like police running in and they're they're trying to figure out who to help. We get, you know, we get informed that Toga's on the run. Like all of these heroes are, are running around trying to help everybody out. There's just civilians everywhere screaming for help. Every direction they turn, there's someone needing help. And the police are frantic. They're just like, get all the doctors possible. Like we got to get blood back in here. We got to get everything we can. Like you need to go and set up more, you know, areas over here to help people. And you, we need, we need more folks over there. And I think at one point they're like, how do we even begin to prioritize saving lives like this? Like it's impossible. And we see this scene of a small child that's like trapped under a bunch of rubble and the, their sister is just freaking out crying. They're both little kids. I mean like eight and under. And he's trying to make a deal with her. Like, please go away. Please run. You're going to be crushed too. Just take that Endeavor doll, whatever it takes. And, you know, right as this rubble is about to just crush both kids, we get it Sue and Ochako, who barely is able to grab them and get out of the way. And Sue runs off with them to get them to a shelter. Ochako runs off to help more people. She's finding a man whose wife is still stuck in the apartment. And she runs in and grabs them and is like, hey, because you can walk, please just head to the next shelter. I have to immediately go somewhere else. And she takes off. We see Coda, who's actually like working with a bunch of the birds to find people and, and kind of telling everyone around him, like, hey, you need to go to these various places. And and then we see all these doctors trying to figure out who to help, like a guard is bringing up someone that's unconscious and like, hey, some, you know, this person's unconscious. I need someone to look at them. And the doctor's like, yeah, put them over to the side. We're only helping people we know can be saved. We can't save everyone. And ah, man, it's like. It's just heartbreaking, this whole scene, because you know that this is not what, what any of them were prepared for. They really thought that they were going to pull this off. Yeah, it gets even scene, darker, this next scene. This scene also reminded me a lot of uh, the provisional licensing exam, the time where we got to see Gang Orca and his bad guys kind of be villains on the scene of a mass rescue, you know, um, and all the students were trying to evacuate and rescue. I think Bakugo maybe even got in trouble for telling somebody to walk or... or or somebody shouted at him for suggesting that somebody who was rescued should walk themselves, but he's actually uh, like lauded for that. Like, yeah, absolutely. If he can go and, and save somebody else and that person is mobile, they should do that thing. They should walk themselves. Um, and uh, on this particular scene, there could be, at least there's the potential of there being a villain on the scene and it could be literally anybody because it's Toka. Right. Uh, so it's just, it's really good. And, and the gravity of this scene uh, is really hammered home when this just rando hero uh, is overheard by Ochako saying, I mean, he's just standing shoulders slumped uh, stock still. And he's just saying, I, I give up. This is, this is hopeless. I, I just need to find another line of work. And man, that was so good. Uh, yeah, just, they are just absolutely driving home uh the 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 impact that the last you know that this season's events have taken on these uh not just these areas but on the entire country because 
later on, I think it's maybe later on in this episode. Um, I think it's, it has to be this episode. The next episode is basically all Tartarus stuff. But um, th- th- there's people that are like, should we leave? Should we leave the country? Can we do that? <laughs> you yeah. know, they're like, this place is effed up. We need to get out. Yeah. I mean, like, I have bad days at work, but I don't think I've ever sat around and looked at devastation of like just thousands of people dying and crawling for help and being like, yeah, my job's okay. <laughs> but, yeah. I mean, this is, uh, when Ochako hears that too, you, you can see it in her face. Just like, wow, this is, uh, not, what I was expecting, you know, she's, I think they still kind of up until this point had this idea that like all the heroes always have this big smile on their face and they're all trying to be like all might. And they're being faced with this reality of like, nah, some of these heroes are in it for the paycheck and this is not worth it. Yeah. The manga does this particular scene really well, uh, because that it's a, it's a two page spread with that, uh, lone hero kind of standing in the middle of just, um, uh, just two giant panels of city devastation and all these uh, word bubbles of people saying that they need help and mommy and the pain and how is this real and uh, call an ambulance and screams. And he's just standing stock still in the foreground of that. Wow. Uh, and and uh, Ochako's face is kind of the the bottom half of one of those pages. And she's she's grayscaled out. I mean, this is this is dark and it's she is dark. it's it's literally painted on her face. And it doesn't get any better because we transition over to the kids at the Gunga village and they're all presumably standing over Midnight's body. We, we don't see Midnight in this scene, but I mean, they're all in tears. They're crying and they're just like, well, we were literally just talking to her. Like, how did this happen? What is going on? And then it's announced that Majestic is also dead. And it like those those poor kids are just losing their minds. They they don't know what to do or how to handle this. Like they thought they were doing the right thing. They thought they were prepared. And now they're clearly not. And a lot of people, you know, fell from that effectively. And I I really like this scene, too. I think I even mentioned when that situation with Midnight happened, I was like, man, that's it? Like, I knew that we'd get follow-up eventually. And even to this day, I'm just kind of shocked. Like, the way she went out was not the way I expected. It was just in such an instant, and things just kept going. There was no time to stop and even grieve or realize what had happened. And that's how dire the situation was, you know? Uh, but but I do like that they circle back around to it and show these kids just weeping and in yeah. denial. And I mean, again, it's this this is what needed to happen on this side of this colossal scaled event yeah. is we need to zoom in on some folks um, and, and even. You know, we we do get this kind of bird's eye view of the devastation with with, uh, the previous scene, Uh, you know, a whole city in rubble. Uh, But to zoom in, I think, is really effective, especially on folks that we know. Yeah, they did Um, a great job, like, showing the macro scene and then the micro scene and how it's affecting the individual and the city and the country. Like, they just, they, they tackled this devastation really well. Uh, and we we kind of transition over to this scene of the doctor being interrogated by the police, and we're kind of explained by narrator Deku again that basically Shigaraki was dead. Like Doctor Garaki basically said, no, the equipment was destroyed. He was dead. N- whatever happened with the equipment, that spark was not strong enough to wake him up. It was not strong enough to bring him back to life. What was yeah, he said Exilus didn't even feel it. Yeah. That's how weak it was. And apparently what was strong enough to bring Shigaraki back alive were his dreams and hatred. That is some deep-seated hate, man, to to literally bring you back from death. And I, I honestly, I don't know. There's a part of me that doesn't believe it. I think I'm still kind of on the train that All for One brought him back somehow 
I mean, we get we get more evidence later towards kind of what I've been saying. Like, Alpharun is claimed Shigaraki as his own, and that is his new vessel, I think. Uh, but regardless, you know, we we kind of get this last scenario where Deku is explaining that what they do know of the situation is that because of Shigaraki, a lot of people died. Hundreds of people died. And not only that, but we see the civilians just questioning the heroes and whether or not they can really be trusted. You know, we've got a bunch of little like one shot scenes here, of people checking their news feeds or discussing like endeavors, you know, I guess would you call it infidelity, maybe not infidelity, but just, just his, his sham of a hero, yeah. you know? And and then we we transition over to All for One, who is sitting in Tartarus, and he's just eating this up. Like he's smiling. You can see the biggest smile on his face, and he says he can feel it. He can feel the drama happening outside of his prison cell. And we transition over to Shigaraki, who is laying there, just absolutely torn apart. But it's All for One's voice, and he's telling the League of Villains, "Hey." We're not going to let the heroes think that tomorrow is just another day. For the rest of this time, it is me that is going to be winning. It is me that it's 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 my time. And then he orders the Nomus to go and free his real body. He's not giving the heroes time to do anything. It is his game from here on out. Yeah, I liked how the anime worded that line, or uh, I liked how the manga rather worded that line better. In the manga, that line is uh, or. Th- not go fetch my body line, but the uh, the tomorrow. Why do they think tomorrow is another day? Yeah. In the manga, it's phrased, why do they assume tomorrow will come for them? It's Man. like, tonight I'm ending it, is kind of how that felt when he said that. Um, that was an improvement, I think. Or, or that was a, that, that, that was something that the AMA, I think, handled uh, not as well as the manga did phrasing-wise. Another thing that I'll remark about... Um, chapter 296 is that we get to see a little bit of 13's face in one of these panels like her her like uh space suit helmet is busted and you can see one of her eyes oh really i don't know why i don't know why but for some reason i was like she has a face like yeah i didn't assume she <laughs> like, did i i guess that in my brain she it was just void behind that um and there's no she has a face huh yeah i guess part of me kind of assumed that she had a uh quirk that affected her physical representation. I don't remember what they're called. Polymorphic is the word I want to use, but I'm pretty sure I'm making that up. Heteromorph is the ones where it's like spinner and whatever. Gotcha. Okay. Is that what you were talking about? Yeah, that's what I'm talking about. Yep. Well, let's jump into 128, which is just titled Tartarus. And for obvious reasons, as we uh, begin to unpack this particular episode, where again, I will blow very hot and very cold as we move through it. Yeah, I'm more interested about this one. I knew why you were upset with 127, but 128, I didn't have too many issues with. Uh, so let's let's get started. I'm I'm ready to hear the rants. Uh, but like you said, it's titled Tartarus, and the opening was actually kind of neat because it's basically just exposition on what Tartarus is, and we're told that basically it's an island and it's roughly five kilometers away from the mainland and it's called a prison but it's really a facility that basically watches and contains anybody that has severely threatened the safety of the public or will severely threaten the safety of the public. Uh, The cells are basically split into six groups and it seems like it's more like six layers so six layers deep. The 
higher the threat level of the individual, the further down those layers and the deeper underground they are actually held. And basically, it seems like in, in any kind of an emergency situation, any connection to the mainland can be cut off, and then this island can seemingly sink deeper into the ocean. And during this whole little spiel, there's even a moment where they say, like, it's rumored that once someone goes into Tartarus, they don't come out. Like, that's how bad this place is. And we kind of get this splash cut of Shigaraki's body saying exactly what he did at the end of the last episode. It's his body, but it's all for one telling League of Villains from here on out, it's going to keep being my turn. And then we get our intro and then we hit this really cool thing that they've done. There's a lot of uh, what's the word you use? Recapitulation stamps. Timestamps, yeah. yeah. So it's it's 8 p.m. We're introduced to a handful of guards that are standing outside what I think was called the Golden Gate or the Bronze Gate. Bronze Gate. Yeah, and they appear to be brothers. They have very similar quirks. They kind of look like that fighter from Mortal Kombat with six arms. I have fun information on these oh, bros. Oh, cool. Okay, but before I get there, <laughs> I'm, I'm a tease. I'm being withholding now. <laughs> An interesting difference, and I have no idea why they did this, is that in the anime, the timestamp, the first timestamp that we see is 8 o'clock p.m., and I'm going to praise this episode where I can. And I, I, there's going to be a couple moments of praise here. Uh, but every time I see a timestamp, I wait for like the dramatic but totally unnecessary, like one more minute a- added onto the clock for no discernible reason. And this didn't, never did it. Nope. And I, I appreciated that. I'm like, we know that time progresses. You don't have to show <laughs> it to us all the time. Um, so kudos, kudos for that. Now, in the manga, though, the time is 834. Like all the timestamps are different, which is strange. Huh. Uh, but yeah, we're at the Bronze Gate. Uh, we meet these two brothers um, whose names I'm absolutely going to butcher, but it's Briarios and Gyges. Uh Both of them, I checked on the wiki, have a, a, an unnamed multiple-armed quirk. Uh, Briarios has ten arms and Gyges has six. They're bare-chested, masked, color-differentiated muscle men, basically. And uh, the color differentiation is fun. It's like red and blue, which is like the classic, like, Ken and Ryu, uh, yeah. you know, double dragon. It's all like red and blue. Um, but they are, they're named after these like more Greek mythology stuff. So we, we see a little bit more from a little bit more of an explanation from all for one, which is just like a flashback material thing later on that Tartarus is named after the place for the dead and in, in Greek mythology. These guys get their names and their appearances also from the same kind of Greek mythology. So there are three beings in Greek mythology that kind of guard Tartarus, the, that world of the dead, called Hecaton Chires. Um, and that just literally translates to 100 or 100 handed ones. Um, and the three names of the, I don't know if they're brothers in the Greek, but they're, it's Briarius, Gyges, and this other guy named Cotus. So uh, pretty cool. That is cool. I will say, too, that uh, the anime massively improves this scene because in the manga, it's just we're at the Bronze Gate and uh, Briarios is already dead and Gyges is gone for the co-red. Oh, wow. We get no time with them. And in addition, the anime gives them uh, like chain guns. So uh, pun incoming in the manga, ironically enough, they were unarmed. (laughs) 
That's actually but really anyway. Cool. <laughs> well, and um, I, I like what the the anime did with them too, because they sort of use them as like MacGuffins to key you in on what happened. Because they're both discussing like, "Hey, did you hear what happened over at that operation? Yeah, it's pretty messed up. They let a bunch of people go. You know, 145 heroes are in the hospital, and even more lost their lives. Like, they're using them as a way to get some exposition out about the situation, and they're kind of talking to each other like, "Hey, just do your job. Like, we're here to protect Arteris. It sucks that we couldn't be there to help them, but this is why we're here." And they're surrounded by a bunch of those robots that I'm pretty sure UA used to test the students uh, at the very beginning of the show. Uh, there are some aesthetic similarities, but I'm least. pretty sure UA didn't stick these specific. T- no, no, uh, no, no. They're just similar machine models. gun wielding uh, <laughs> machines on children. Oh, uh, yeah. Well, I mean, I wouldn't put it past them, right? They've all. Yeah. Well, that's fair. Uh, well, you wouldn't put it past them because you believe Nezu is this evil being. I've yet so. to be proven wrong. That is fair. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, they, these robots, they immediately basically activate, and the brothers, like, just crap themselves. They're like, oh, no. And they see all these Nomus heading towards their way, and they just unleash fire. And, I mean, they're, like, laying down heavy fire, too. They both got machine guns that are just, like, rattling off insane amounts of ammunition. But one of the Nomus pops, like, a shield quirk, and then the other one swells up and just shoots a bunch of needles at them. Uh, I think it's Guy Gygas is calling HQ and he's just like, yo, you know, Breros is dead. He was killed. This is a code red situation. Like hop on it. And uh, Shigaraki's body like activates this quirk and just blows up the entrance. It's wild looking. And then we get another like 7.57 p.m. title splash page and Three minutes earlier, we're seeing guards inside the building or inside like an observation tower, and they're discussing Gigantomachia being delivered, and one of the guards is like, man, why couldn't they have just killed this guy? Like, I know guns couldn't have done it, whatever, but it's really, it's too bad they couldn't have just killed him because these individuals, they're more monsters than they are anything else. They are not like us. And the other guard is like, bro, we're being recorded. Shut up. (laughs) So... I'm, I'm going to comment on that scene too, but I, I have to say that the Nomu that ends up shooting the like spikes into Briarios, I have that he looks like a goth best genus bonded with a symbiote. Oh, yeah. Uh, and because, I mean, he's just got this really long neck, which best genus might not, but it looks like that because the denim, like the turtleneck up to his nose. Right. Uh, and just all black and like, it looks like studs, you know, like old goth studs. Uh, just going down the center of him when he pops it's it. It's like a and, cinnabite, and that brother. Like a cinnabite. Uh, yeah, yeah. Cinnabite would not be in. Uh, yeah, that that aesthetic fits first. But yeah, these guys are talking, and this one dude is just absolutely crap talking. Uh, all these inmates, and this, I struggled with this scene a little because it felt, uh, like pedagogical a little bit. Um, like like Horikoshi was speaking about specific incidents, maybe. Or 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 doing like social commentary. Yeah. It just felt it felt like a social commentary overly thing. strong. Yeah, it did. Yeah. Was this in the manga? Yes. Okay. Yes, it is. But I mean, I um, think it's appropriate, like social commentary in this sense, right? Like these guards are likely quirkless or have, uh, you know, not to sound rude, but crappy quirks, and it's like they probably don't see these individuals as individuals they just see monsters and villains that are out there to wreak havoc. So it's like not to defend his point but I can almost kind of understand why he would feel that way. Like these are, these are people that would kill this man's family with maybe just a look, you know what I mean? Yeah. So he, he, he is told that guns wouldn't be enough to kill Gigantomachia and missiles are a no, no. 
because he's human. Yeah. And that kind of, I like that. It was, it ties back to some of the world building that we got when uh, Midnight was telling Momo, you know, it's normally against the law to do this. Like there are, there are laws against just dispatching even corked individuals. Guns maybe are on the table, but missiles, no. Um, so I, I kind of like that. And he starts with the name calling. He's, he's more like a beast. And there are all these other animals in here. Uh, he's told that he's being recorded. And the other guy says this, which was another thing that I was like, ooh, that's kind of cringy. Because he says, we already get enough flack about human rights violations and stuff. Yeah. Uh, and I was just like, man, they're just doubling down on <laughs> on prison commentary in this. It, and it could be totally incidental, but that's that was my first reaction read of it. Yeah. No, I and, can definitely uh, see the why guy you who's calling. I, the guy who's calling all these people animals doubles down again, and he's just like, they they just look like humans. They blend in because they uh, quirks have been normalized, but they're repulsive things. They're fundamentally different from us, which is just just piling on, man. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I was just I was a little uncomfortable as the dialogue progressed through this scene. It's very forced. I love the way that they handled this too, because like as these two individuals are talking, that code red goes off. All floors are immediately being locked down, and we see these huge gates coming down on every single floor, like trying to block off each cell. And then all of a sudden, the Nomus are there, and like the guards aren't sure why they're there or how they're there. They're, yeah. they're freaking out. They're like, "Oh my god, they must have literally <laughs> come right from that that you know villa or from that last battle." Like they didn't even stop; they just came right for us, and they were totally yeah, I have not in expecting my notes. that. This one dude is like, the Nomu, what are they doing at Tartarus? And I just have in my notes, this guy must not be the sharpest tool in the shit. <laughs> right, like, hey, and all of their then, buddies are here. <laughs> then he, well, specifically all for one is there. Then he says, don't tell me. And I was like, oh, did he piece it together? Now he's going to say, oh, it's because all for one is here. But no, it was just about them coming straight from the last battle. I was like, okay, so you, you just remain dull and dumb. Okay, that's fine. <laughs> well, they, they decide to begin the descent, and we see like Tartarus separate from the mainland, but Shigaraki, or All for One in his body, says that they're just struggling for no reason. And we, we hear these guards give permission to, I guess, people controlling drones or potentially flying some sort of drone copter thing, and they're like, hey, shoot to kill. But as they say that, the Nomus just start blasting everything out of the air. Shigaraki He's even like riding on a Nomu, which is kind of cool looking. Yeah. Um, One that looks like Lugia, like, yeah. a, like a black Lugia. Like a huge Pokemon. <laughs> That's kind of what like these Nomus are to all for one, though, in a way. You know, I'm surprised he doesn't have some oh, sort of yeah. little capsule he keeps them in yeah. that he can you just like what? store you're, in his pocket. <laughs> you're not wrong. That's, I had never had that thought, yeah. but holy crap. Maybe, maybe all for Pokemon. one is actually Bill from the Pokemon games. Wasn't he creating yeah, like just... uh, synthetic Pokemon or cloning them or something? Yeah, he's just the Pokemon trainer from um, from Smash. Yeah, <laughs> he's just got all these all these monsters that he just throws out oh, when he needs them. Man, all for one holding Pokeballs with Nomu inside—that could be a shirt. I feel like I could see that. <laughs> Uh, but as he's like Shigaraki's riding, he ends up landing on top of one of these observation towers and he just immediately destroys it. I mean, right down to the ground. And, and Shigaraki does kind of wake up in this scene and he's trying to push back on all for one, but really to no avail. I mean, he's telling him like, dude, give me back my body. I am not your pawn. I will not do what you want. And all for one's like, well, you wanted power, didn't you? This is the cost of power. This is exactly what you wanted. I'm giving it to you. You just may not like the way you're getting it. And All for One tells him, like, hey, look, like, don't get the situation wrong. You're very precious for me. In fact, you're so precious. You're my next self, which is just more verbiage to make me think that, you know, who we know as Shigaraki will be gone. Like, All for One is going to take over that body one way or another. Mm hmm. Yeah, it's it becomes more and more explicit as we move through these. Um 
as we move through these episodes. Yeah. Uh, that just, it, all for one in particular, Shiki is learning things, all for one is divulging them. Yes, yeah. And uh, after this this observation tower has been totally destroyed, we hear like the security teams are basically just telling the staff to evacuate. And it's pretty neat because All for One in Shigaraki's body uses the search quirk to figure out where All for One's body is in Tartarus. And he realizes that he's far too deep for Shigaraki to just destroy the buildings around him because the water pressure would kill him. Not only that, he also wants to be able to break out all of these other villains and get him and get them under his control so he has more of an army. So he's like, well, you know, if I can't just destroy things. I've got something else that'll work, though. And, and it's interesting because he even mentions that, like, even if Shigaraki's body had been completely finished and completely healed or completed, I guess I can say. Tar- and if even if they had Gigantomachia there in addition. In addition, Tartarus would still be very difficult to break into from the outside. Yeah, he gives credit where credit yeah. is due. He's like, kudos, Tartarus. You're, you're not making this easy, in fact. He, he he stops just shy of saying, I couldn't do this were it not for the fact that I can basically mind link with somebody on the inside yeah. who is also me because all of this is very convoluted at this point when they're in the same place. Yeah, no joke. Uh, so he basically ends up knocking out the exterior surveillance and electrical systems with an EMP from Shigaraki. Once that's done, the, the security team is freaking out because they are aware of the fact that they don't have security measures in place. From the inside, another EMP goes off from All for One Cell, basically shutting everything down on the inside as well, immediately breaking out all of these prison cells. Like, all the doors pop, and then we see All for One break out of his with those same, like, red and black tendrils that he stabbed Bakugo with, and and he ended up hurting a lot of people with, actually, in that, that huge altercation. Not all the doors pop, and this is something that I was like, what? Because one door... Doesn't pop, and they make a big deal they of it not popping. Of it, yeah. Even though all the other ones seem to be popping just fine. Yeah, yeah. And, uh, we kind of get a quick flashback to All Might and All for One talking, and All for One basically saying that he would not be able to get out of there alone, uh, but synchronously from outside and inside he can. And this is when yeah, I like. Go ahead. I was gonna, I was just going to say I like that he says he, he talks about Tartarus in the Greek mythology. He says it's named after the god that represents the underworld, and he says even I would have some trouble rebelling against a god. Yeah, I liked that. That line. was really cool. I really like that too. Uh, we see that a bunch of security gets deployed, and they basically are told like, "Hey, take out any inmates that pass this gate." And as they are like holing up together, Muscular just destroys a yep. wall, comes out of nowhere, and just kills Here all the guards. The hotness. Yeah. Here comes the hotness of this episode. This is another. This is another like span of this episode where I was like, "Okay, I'm in. I love yeah. all of this." Like all the inmates are running away, and like some of the guards are like trying to stop them. And as they are standing there, there's just like this this huge standoff between all these inmates and these guards they've got guns up against them and then our our old buddy uh what's his name moon moonfish uh moonfish comes out of nowhere literally kills everyone around him like all of those teeth just grow and they kill all of the inmates he also kills all of the guards and all he says is flesh and we even see stain very briefly he's just watching prisoners i don't remember him being in the manga though which i thought was very interesting that they would they would show specifically Stain in the uh, anime, but not in the manga. Now, we knew Stain was being held there. And before this episode aired, I was uh, chatting with Mark, and I was like, okay, okay, I just had this thought. They're going to go get all for one. But we know that Stain is also there. So are we going to get to see Stain? And he wouldn't answer me because he's a good man. <laughs> um, it's... But I was so excited. Then I was like, hold the phone. Where's Rappa being held? 
And I got so excited because I was like, dude, if this Tartarus prison break means that we get more Rapa, it's it's the new it's the new hotness. That would be really cool. Um, but we didn't see him in this episode, did we? No, because according to Mark, <laughs> like brace yourself for for very sad news. According to Mark, Rapa just kind of disappears after the Shia Hisaikai stuff outside of Vigilantes. Oh, wow. And That's a bummer. he's got the theory that Rapa was so like uh like appreciated or liked by the fandom that they that they brought him back in Vigilantes for exactly that reason, because they knew that he wasn't going to be in anything else MHA proper. And that's super frustrating. I got to be appreciative for what we did get, yeah. right? Like the Vigilante stuff was great. No, for sure. But yeah, I was so excited. I was like, oh my God, please tell me Rapa's in Tartarus because <laughs> I don't know where he is. I mean, I, I would have assumed he would have been celled up like right next to Muscular or something because I kind of placed them on like a same danger level since they are kind of similar in a certain way. Uh, but I got to ask you like, how do you think Stain would feel about this? Because I don't, I mean, he's a villain, yeah, but he also didn't like villains. Like, I don't think he wasn't not killing villains, too. So do you think he's going to, like, be trying to take out some of these villains as they're escaping? Or is his motive to get out to try to do better work on the outside? You know what I mean? I don't know. Because um... surely he wouldn't support all for one, either. Like, I just don't see, I don't see his allegiances changing to anyone but his own. You know what I mean? Yeah, I want, I'm curious to hear or to see Stain's reaction to his legacy. Oh, I know, what is, yeah. What has gone on since he was placed in Tartarus, uh, including uh, being the inspiration for some of the uh, some of the villains joining the League of Villains, their own twists on his ideology, their interpretations of it, their executions of it. Um, I I hope that some of that stuff comes up, and I hope that this like one second shot of a maskless stain isn't all that we see of him. Um, because I just, I'm listen, I'm being selfish. I like stain a lot. Yeah. Um, and, and I think that there's absolutely narrative meat to be enjoyed around him coming out and being like, this is what you guys thought I was doing. This is what <laughs> you thought I guess uh, that I said, um, and, and dealing with that. Um, so I, and I would love to see him, interact with uh, Midoriya as well. Man, I would love to see him interact with with like Endeavor. I mean, you know, he couldn't have liked Endeavor too much when he was out of Tartarus, but now with everything that's come out with his son and Toya and all that, like, you know that Endeavor's got to be on the top of his hit list. Uh, I, and, and in general, like, I would be interested in knowing what he thinks about all of the current situations. Like he gets out and he's just like, wow, the heroes really, really goofed this one up. Didn't they, <laughs> you know, it's a uh, hearing, hearing what Stane has to think about all of this would have been really, really interesting. I, I'm with you. I hope we see more of him, but then we get a, another scene here that I think is likely leading up to something more because we see this woman who has like purple hair and she is not drawn like an NPC. So I can only assume that she's going to be some sort of a main character. And she runs up and opens that door that, that didn't unlock like you were talking about. And I'm fairly certain the guy that comes out of it is the Shia Hasaikai guy. I can't remember his name. Yes, it's overhaul. overhaul. Yeah. Mm -hmm. So, cause he pops out and he's just like pop dad. And then, yeah, and he's he's got he's got no arms. He's like the inverse of uh, Lieutenant Dan <laughs> because uh, because uh, Shigaraki decayed him um, so that he couldn't presumably couldn't use his quirk anymore. 
then, yeah, so this lady is, I told you, I think you had said at some point that you were kind of caught up with spoilers uh, that you had been exposed to be, uh, after Midnight died. Is that what the thing was? Yeah, I've been exposed to more willingly, I will admit. Add, add. Yeah, but, but yeah. like, you want to you tell people about oh, what you did? Dude, yeah. So someone in the Discord. Because <laughs> if you don't, I, I think it was I think it was Thunderstorm. I think that's the user's name. Uh, they posted a, a spoiler and it was like, most recent My Hero Academia chapter spoilers. And I was like, ah, screw it. I'm caught up on everything else. I want to know some spoilers. And man, what I saw, I can't wait. That's going to be so. In fact, like, I, I, no, I shouldn't say that. Uh, but I'm just for shame, uh, man. I was, I was so excited. Like, I, I, I don't know why I clicked it, but I'm glad I did. And it wasn't so spoilery <laughs> that like it really gave too much away. As much as now, I can just sit back and theorize some fun things in my mind because uh, I didn't feel like let down by the spoiler. If that makes sense, it just made me really excited to get to that point in the chapters. Well. This lady is one of the two spoilers that I have remaining. Gotcha. Okay. So I know I know what her name is. I think I have a general idea maybe what her quirk is, but I don't know like I I didn't know how she came onto the scene. I don't know where she goes from here and how she gets involved or how long she's going to hang around. I know none of that. Um but I do know her name. This is Lady Nagant is what we're going to find out. I've heard out you mention her name, name before. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Man, okay. Uh, so one more that is also another character whose name I know but have no idea how they come or what role they play. <laughs> um that's that's what I got left in the can. And I didn't come by mine by intentionally clicking on appropriately tagged spoiler content. Well, you know. I did it by talking to people on Twitter and sometimes you see things. Sometimes you see things on purpose. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh so we we kind of get this like last scene here of Tartarus where it's zoomed out, everything's on fire, like all the buildings are exploding and Shigaraki is approaching all of these people that are just kind of standing in this courtyard trying to figure out how they can get out. And he tells them to follow him if they want freedom. And as he's talking to them, All for One approaches and says he wants all of these people to watch him all for one, become a more perfect demon lord. And he says, this is my story on how I became the best demon lord. And then yeah, we get a... Such a good line. Oh, I know. Like, he's so... Because it mirrors... I mean, obviously, it mirrors, though, this is the story how I became a greatest hero. Right, right. Um, so, yeah, it's just... It's uh, so it good. It is good. Uh, and then we're, we're told, like, five hours later, and we see all these other prisons being broken into. Bagu prison, Xi'an, Kuin prison, all of these other places that, basically, the Nomus are hitting and just breaking villains out. And we, we see All for One is basically, like, controlling one of the guards from Tartarus in this emergency aircraft, and that is how he's able to escape and get everyone off the island. We find out that seven prisons were attacked all in total, and six of them had large numbers of prisoners released. I'd be curious to know which one had a successful, you know, fight yeah. off like that. That's, that's what I have in my notes. I'm like, and what about the other? Yeah. You can't just toss that out. There. I know. That's <laughs> a, like they just passed right over. I'm sure that's going to be in another episode. No way it's not. Uh, but we s- maybe, maybe room for headcanon. That was the prison where Rapa was being held, and Rapa didn't have anything, wasn't going to let them recall over that <laughs> he's, particular He's like, prison. you think you're breaking me out? No, I was waiting for the right time. Let's just fight. Just fights yeah. everyone off, and the guards are like, what do we do here? <laughs> you know he would. I know. <laughs> he's like, the guards have been keeping me locked up forever. It's my turn. Oh, that's actually really <laughs> funny. I like that headcanon. Well, we, we catch up with pretty much 
I would assume the League of Villains. I don't think all of the other prisoners that they broke out are necessarily here, but they're all kind of in this little forest area. And uh, it's it's Shigaraki's body, but again, it's all for one that's talking. And he's like, I'm really sorry to have to ask all of you this, but I need you to protect this body. Watch over this while it heals. And Spinner steps up, and I really love this moment. This is such a great moment for Spinner because he's just like, you know, like I had a lot in common with Shigaraki, like more than just wanting to take over the world. Like we liked video games, which I thought was kind of a funny thing to note. Uh, and he just says, you know, I, I joined this to get rid of fake heroes. And, you know, the League of Villains, yeah, they were kind of listless. We're basically a band of petty thieves, but like the energy was there. And, and Shigaraki really lit a fire under me. It made me feel like I wanted to see Shigaraki's future. Who are you? And All for One is just like, you know, don't worry about it. I respect Shigaraki's feeling above all else. I want to see Shigaraki rest so he can become complete. And once that happens, our dreams will be realized. And we see All for One in a whole nother location, like standing on this beach, like letting the ocean kind of roll over his feet. And he says, we're going to take one for all and reign over the world as its absolute ruler, the Demon Lord. So a couple things about this scene, because uh, I think there's a lot of interesting things here, but I'm going to, I'm going to lead in with a joke. <laughs> Not a pun though. Not a pun. Uh, so it's funny. I just have in my notes that when Spinner mentions that at one point they were just a listless band of petty thieves, I was like, yeah, actually that's exactly what you were when you were trying to steal like statues from that one that cult, cult <laughs> house. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> um, but uh, another thing is like in the manga, Chicky or Spinner says very little. He just mentions the thing about liking video games and then just says, who are you? You're not the guy that I followed. So he had a lot more lines in the anime. There is an expansion here and it was really good. Um, I, I think, again, Spinner has kind of slowly started taking baby steps into the spotlight. Like he had another one of these moments on the back of Gigantomachia. Uh, you have this one here. So it feels like he's like dancing forward into the spotlight a little bit here and there. So I wonder if they're teasing that what some some major thing that's going to happen with is he going to leave the League of Villains? Is is he going to get I don't know. Um, I just feel like he keeps getting pushed to the front in some interesting ways. Well, and I, I don't want to be not mindful of that. He keeps getting pushed to the front in such a rebellious way, too, because he's telling all for one, like, I'm not following you. I was following Shigaraki and you're not him and your right. your futures are so different. And he's starting to quite like, I almost wonder if he's going to end up being a showcase for all for one where he, you know, all for one just dusts him and is like, look, if you guys oh, make some an example, yeah, of like if you guys can't listen to me and if you don't believe on my dream, then you don't need to be here and just boom, spinners dead. And then the league of villains fall in line. So that's the other thing is I wonder, and I let's, let's revisit the lines. So all for one is speaking through Tomura. And he says, I'll have him rest his body and be completed. Then our dreams will be realized. And we cut to where all for one is physically present elsewhere. And he says to take one for all and reign over the world as its absolute ruler, the demon lord. Do you think those words came out of Tomura's mouth at the same time? No. Or was all for one 
kind of feeding what he feels like these League of Villains folks need to hear. And then we cut away to where he is and we get him vocalizing his actual aspirations. Yeah, no, I think I think everyone else in the world is a pawn to all for one. The only person that actually matters is him. So I think he's leading on the League of Villains to get what he needs, which right now is Shigaraki's body healed so he can be in two places at once with immense amounts of power. I just yeah, don't... Even earlier when he said, I respect Tomura's feelings above all else. I just don't it, believe like, that. Like, he's just lying. Yeah. And uh, you know what's... Well, the chapter before, Tomura's like, this is my body. And all for one's like, I don't care. Yeah, exactly. Like what <laughs> he's... Or he does, he does, because he's going to be a vessel. But not in, not in the way that Tomura wants him to Exactly. Care. Like, the way that all for one talks to Tomura is very different than the way he talks to... To, to Shigaraki's followers. I, I mean, honestly, man, I love how much all for one we're getting, I guess. Like up to this point, we've known he's menacing. We've known he's powerful. We've seen him fight. He's a cool villain. But now we're really getting to see like his inner thoughts and workings. And we saw some of that in Vigilantes, but it's not come out as much in My Hero. Now it is. And it's like, dang, this dude is dark. Like he does not care about anyone or anything but himself. And he seems hell bent on getting that quirk, even if it means destroying the world, which ultimately feels like what he wants to some extent. Hey, Adam. Yeah. How does one become the greatest hero in the whole wide world of all time? <laughs> How, Atkins? Of course, by defeating the greatest demon lord of all That's time. That's true, which we know is going to have to happen, right? Either that or getting uh, getting him to be forgiven. I feel like that would be Midoriya's real like, oh, I'm the best hero because everybody forgives the villains when I'm around. Mm, I can see, I think we've discussed this elsewhere, but I can see him doing a similar move like that with Shigaraki. I don't know that, I don't know that he can do that with All for One. Well, what you've forgotten is that in a world of quirks, all you need is somebody with like a forgetful quirk or an amnesia quirk or a forgiveness quirk. Like, or the Dragon Balls. Yeah. Like, I mean, you remember Mr. Smiley? What, what if a Mr. Smiley comes along and looks into a TV screen and just says, forget everything? And, and <laughs> then, you know, like, of course, Bedoria thinks he's the best hero in the world. Really, like, all for one is actually, you know, leading some new world organization or something in the background. I don't know. I'm just making things up. But, but <laughs> it is kind of one of those moments, though, where you start to kind of think about this, this world and, like, really all it takes is the one person being born with the right quirk to make all of this kind of go away, you know? Right. Well, we fast forward a couple days. Um, two days later. and Yeah, two days. And we catch up with Bakugo. And uh, he, he regains consciousness in a hospital bed. And in the anime, he says Deku first. Like, he speaks that word. And then there's some time before he starts asking about anybody else. It's not how that was delivered in the, uh, in the manga at all. He asks about Deku and Todoroki. And then also the sensei, senpai, meaning Aizawa and Endeavor. Uh, anime made the change and people are going to love it for, I think, obvious shipping reasons. But anyway, Mineta bursts him. He's flanked by Sato, Sero, and Hagakure. Uh, Mineta is super clingy and like, not just because it's his clerk, but he's like physically glamming onto um, Bakugo in an unexpected, for me at least, display of affection for him. I think he's just excited to know that like some of his classmates made it through this. You know, like he's, I don't think Mineta is dealing with with the death of Majestic and, and Midnight very well. You know, I think in a lot of ways, these heroes to him were like just invincible and, and he's realizing that they're not and that they're just kids and like Bakugo's just a kid too. So if Midnight died, how in the world could Bakugo be alive? You know what I mean? Yeah, we um 
he's he's asking after all these people and he's told by Sarah, we'll tell you, but you have to stay calm when you hear it, which it's Bakugo. Of course he's not. Right, right. Um, We flash uh, over to an adjacent room where Gran Torino is laid up and he's remembering his chat with Nana Shimura about uh, doctoring the family records and not having a son so nobody could know about Kataro. Um, and her saying again, like we've heard, we've seen this a lot. We've seen this several times in the anime. If he knows that he exists, speaking of, if all for one knows that Kotaro exists, he'll use him too. And history actually bore that out because all for one is using Shigaraki because of his connection to Nana Shimura and also uh, Nana Shimura's connection to All Might. So, like that statement was actually true. Right. Um, but that's a, mm, it's it's always a very poignant scene rewatching that. Her just weeping on Gran Torino's shoulder saying, I have no child. Yeah, it's hard, man. Especially since like she did what she thought was right and it still didn't pan out the way she needed it to. And like we transition over to this awesome like dino doctor. <laughs> I love that. No, awesome's not have we seen him before? <laughs> no, I don't I don't know if we've seen him before, but like it was a hard cut from this super sad moment with Gran Torino to this goofy doctor just being like, well <laughs> I, I swear I've seen his aesthetic somewhere, but I couldn't figure it out. He looks like for some reason I have it in my brain that he looks like uh, he's out of some sort of like newspaper comic strip. Um, he looks like what I, I imagine. My Google Foo was not strong enough to sort out who it he was. He looks like what I imagine Nessie would look like in a Scooby Doo episode. Nessie in a Scooby Doo? Yeah, like uh, the Loch Ness Monster. Uh huh. Like oh, just okay. what the Loch Ness Monster would look like in a Scooby Doo episode. That's what this doctor looks like. He's just this, this lizard, dino like looking creature that's very bright and shiny. You probably find him yeah, on Barney. In anime, he looks more like a chicken. You think so? Like, yeah. Like, or in the uh, in the manga, like you don't see his tail. It's just like he, he's got the the little thing on the top of his head, and his mouth is kind of beaky. Huh. Um, yeah. In, in the anime, obviously, he's colored green. Right. Right. But you're working with grayscale in the manga. But uh, yeah, he says he's talking to who? <laughs> Izawa and Present Mike are the only ones in the room. Yeah, I love this line. He says, just like with Gran Torino, if you'd gotten here any later, it would have been much worse. And I was like, thanks, <laughs> yeah, like, Doc. Duh. Eight years of med school for that? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. These the doctors in uh, in the My Hero Academia world are hit or miss, aren't they? Like they're either terrible villains, they can kiss you and immediately make you better, or the man, they just don't know anything. <laughs> yeah. I was just like, Good lord, what a nothing burger of a line. <laughs> well then I love what's what happens next, because he's just like, Well, it could have been worse, but focus on getting better. And then walks out. Yeah. I mean, yeah, super helpful. Uh but Aizawa is sitting there and gosh, poor Aizawa, man, one eye's patched up, he's he's missing a leg from the knee down and He's he knows about the jailbreak and he's kind of talking about it. Him and President Mike are actually just discussing sort of the whole situation. And you know, poor President Mike is like, we we did what we were supposed to, and things didn't pan out. And look at what it cost us. Like all these civilians are are protesting us. They don't know what to think about us. Like we we literally did everything we could have. And he starts to talk about midnight, and I's always just like, don't even don't even say it, man. Yeah, like, man, that was a. Gut yeah. punch of a moment too. No joke. And then he just says, "Well, how about the students?" And we we cut over to Kaminari, who's looking over like this window, and he sees this huge crowd outside of the hospital, and they're basically just protesting heroes and protesting like Endeavor. And he's in a room with uh, I think it's Jiro and Tokoyami, and and Jiro's sitting there reading about all these jailbreaks, just and how it's in the news twenty four seven. It's not stopped. And I mean, you can just tell the despair on these students and. We, we kind of get a uh, shot down into the crowd where all of these individuals are just freaking out about Endeavor and the whole Todoroki family. You know, there's people like screaming like your son's a villain and stuff. And 
we've got uh, Ashido and Momo and Kirishima are standing there with with uh, the the toads, and he's in, all in bed and and he's he can't talk like his throat's been burned and yeah, ugh, which, which like yeah, good no th- no thank you yeah no joke. And then back out in the crowd, we see his his brother and his sister and his mother like trying to walk into yeah. the the hospital and all of everyone in that crowd is just chastising them about the situation like what's going on with Endeavor and we kind of cut to him who he's he's knocked out he's under anesthesia he's in deep surgery and Todoroki himself the Shoto is remembering Endeavor just like booking a villain like I think it was just a couple weeks back when they were doing the uh, training program with him and this villain yeah yeah the guy's name is Star Serpent he was the dude that could like manipulate glass I want to yeah something like that like reflective surfaces and it was one of the guys that died Bobby said that he sicked on Endeavor right. specifically. Right. Star Servant and uh, I don't remember what the other guy's name was. Oh, it was um it was like a one word. It was the white line guy. What did they call him? Uh, anyway. Well, he's he's continue. he's being, you know, taken off and he's basically screaming like this hero only casts shadows on everything around him and and poor Shoto is just trying to figure out like what is happening. I mean, this this has been a huge drop on him and and it's I wonder too if I'm sorry to keep no, interrupting no. you. <laughs> I wonder if those if that line, that guy's the source of darkness, the light he gives off brings darkness and demise, if that was fed to him by Dobby. If Dobby was like, I want you to go into my dad's area, I want you to fight him, and when you're being booked, I want you to say these things. Because I think back when I was watching it, I got this strong like crystal ball vibe from totally. him because he was riding around yeah, on it, yeah. you know? Um and so it f- felt almost like he was like spouting off non like fortune cookie nonsense. That's a good point. I hadn't um, considered that that was all potentially like a a ruse, you know. But I I could see it knowing how much uh, Dobby put into this huge reveal. Like it wouldn't surprise me if he was also doing things like that in the background. Yeah, just just picking away yeah. right at the seams, little by yeah. little. So I I had the thought that there was a at least an outside possibility that Dobby was like. Here's what you need to say, and you don't have to. Do, you don't have to worry about what it actually means. Just say it. It sounds like mumbo jumbo, but just say the yeah. thing. And and those words are rattling around in Shoto's brain now because they seem so out of place at that right, time. Right, right. And this poor kid. I mean, he's sitting in this bed. He can't talk. He's bandaged all to hell, just staring at his hands. And he's thinking about how powerful Toya is or Dobby is. And he's like, you know. His his flames were stronger than dad's. His he had these strong flames of hate. And he says, I I was him before basically Midoriya saved me. Right. He doesn't say that, but yeah. he's having these flashback moments before him and Midoriya's fight. And and he's just thinking about how he felt the same way about his dad, that he wanted to bring him down. And this whole time, Dobby's been in the background waiting for him to do this exact thing. And his family walks in and he immediately catches his mom's eyes, and you can tell that he's just like floored by this and it cuts over to Mineta and Sato who are trying to hold Bakugo back from going to see somebody and they're just freaking out they're like dude you're you're literally almost died like you need to be in bed and they explain that I think we kind of hear it from from Saro's point of view that basically everyone else has woken up except for Midoriya he has not regained consciousness yet and we see Midoriya laying in bed and he is a thousand percent bandaged up like I think the only thing visible is maybe some hair in his eyes his legs are like pinned up and it all might standing there over him and it's just it's such a brutal scene and Bakugo has this thought if that bastard dies then I'm gonna kill him (laughs) very Bakugo Yeah, this oh man, the Todoroki scene was so good. It was um, him, 
him realizing things about himself, or at least about, again, I don't think he lives in that house anymore. That's a phrase where it's just like, he's moved on. He's not that guy, but he realized there was a time in his life where he yeah. was, um, where he wasn't all that different. Um, I even liked that we got a, a quick glimpse of his OG costume, the one where he was like all iced up with the one red eye. Um, I, I kind of fancied that costume. I'm not going to lie. Oh, man. We forgot, we forgot to mention that uh, amongst the civilians earlier that were like talking about move, leaving the country and all that were two kids from the like thing that him, Bakugo, and Kami had to do, um, where the one of the kids was just like, it's okay, five wieners is on our side, <laughs> <laughs> which is a good callback to that. Anytime that we can make fun of uh, Todoroki's mini belt wieners, I'm going to do it. <laughs> I can't believe I let that slip by. You must have been I talking. I must have been. I must have been talking. <laughs> well, man, I gotta, man, but, I gotta okay. ask you, like, what's your beef with this episode? Because we've talked about it and yes. you've not brought up anything yet. So I'm expecting like a five minute rant here. Go. I mean, I I have brought up some things that I really disliked, but there were two things that really bummed me out. Um, and and it wasn't. It was like moments after I finished watching the episode. At first, I was like, man, that was a pretty good episode. And then I started thinking about it, and I was like. No, it's it's really not. It's not a good episode. Um, and it got worse when I read the manga. Well, it, gets, it got slightly better when I read the manga, but it also got worse. So let me explain myself here. In light of episode of the excellent portrayal of the devastation and just the 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 consequences of that particular movement of the heroes against the villains in one twenty seven, one twenty eight absolutely fumbles the ball by making the assault on Tartarus feel inconsequential uh and not spending any time on uh the 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 other prisons being broken into and and there's like a throwaway line where like i think it was present mike is just like yeah crime's up like dig into that man like make this world feel like it's on literal fire right now and don't just like tell us that yeah some prisons had some escapees you know whatever 127 handled that gravitas so well and and painted this devastating picture 128 had all the elements to make that picture even worse slash better and it didn't it didn't at all and then you and i this is the thing that uh really frustrated me more and more was that for a long time since all for one got captured we have been like he won't stay there forever like there's going to be this big prison break thing and we get it we like we were right but it wasn't big at all. And I, I understand narratively why it wasn't big, because all of the heroes are either dead or recuperating, right? Um, so narratively, it makes some sense. The anime does some things better than the manga does. The manga way under delivers on the prison break scene. I mean, it is, it's criminal that that moment, all for one, busting out of prison along with all of these other villains, that that was so underwhelming in the manga the anime made it better not just by giving the the handsy boys chain guns either <laughs> although that was a nice touch um they they improved on it but they didn't improve on it enough like it could have been bigger it could have been better there could have been more especially especially given how little the manga delivered on that i would really have loved to have seen uh, the writers and directors and animators have a full episode that was nothing but that break on Tartarus. And instead we got like kind of half of an episode of a tremendous moment in this story. And it just, the more I thought about it, the more it just ticked me off. I don't, <laughs> I don't mind telling you, man, the more I thought about it, I just kept getting angrier and That's angrier. Interesting, Cause my take on it was kind of like, 
what more could you have asked for? I mean, we just got literally like what ten episodes of just nonstop action. There's literally nobody left to defend that place, and they have the most powerful two individuals in the entire world trying to break out. Like they made mincemeat of that place, but they should have. There's nobody that can stop them, and that's what they're trying to drive home. Like they didn't need half a season to show this breakout. They didn't need to happen. It was kind of in my mind. Oh, half a season would have been too much, but one episode would have been. Yeah, I guess. Half an what more would you have wanted to see, though? Like more villains fighting heroes or more villains taking on guards? Like we know that the guards there aren't heroes that have these extravagant quirks. So like I'm curious what you would have had done differently if more time could have been allotted to the Tartarus breakout. What would you have wanted to see? Uh, I don't claim to be a writer. This is one of those times where it's just like, like oh, I have this complaint. I don't necessarily have this. <laughs> OK, OK. It. I was just curious. But I will say. I mean, in addition to, I think tar- that I think that that should have been, it should have felt bigger than it was delivered on, in the anime, even if it was the same measure of time. I think they should have spent more time on the episode, especially showing the fallout from that fallout, instead of skipping forward two days, or or just giving like, oh yeah, some jails were broken into, or oh yeah, crime is up everywhere show that like this is this is a moment where we need to be shown and not told like show me like you did in 127 how bad things really are in 127 they showed the hell out of that stuff in 128 they showed none of it and that was frustrating i wonder if it's because they're gonna do a bigger setup like if in the following episodes we're gonna see some recapitulation back to those two days and what mayhem was taking place like what were the league of villains doing you know, while Shigaraki was resting, were they out causing mayhem? Were they getting their troops together? You know, what, what all have like, what have they told these villains they broke out? Like, join us or else? Or is it, you know, hey, just go wreak havoc. We just want havoc to be out there. So just do whatever you want. Kind of like, uh, like in Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles, you know, like the foot, I think that's what they were called. Would have just been like, hey, just get out there and wreak havoc. We don't even necessarily have anything you want to do. Yeah, do exactly. That's what they say. In the, the first, first one. <laughs> that's exactly what I was thinking. Yep, yep. Like handing out those cigarettes. <laughs> yeah, but uh, but regular or exactly. Uh, but I'm kind of curious, you know, like that's I could see them using this as a setup in kind of one of those ways of like, we don't really need to tell you that things are bad. You know, things are bad. Like literally all of the villains in Tartarus are out and six other prisons. Things are bad, yo. Like we don't have to tell you that. Yeah, no, that's the thing. They told us that, but they didn't yeah, show it. Yeah, that's fair. They it, the anime, even more so than the manga, is a place where you can show some stuff. True, and I think that they did that with excellence in one twenty seven, and super under delivered on the showing in one. And all they would have needed too, really, like they don't even have to show off new villains, right? They just need to show off like muscular breaking into a bank with a handful of random nomus, or even just show off a bunch of nomus picking on people throughout random cities in Japan. Like they could have given us a quick three minute montage somewhere in this episode of bad people doing bad things to show exactly what you're talking about. Instead of it just being present Mike, just being like, wow, crime's up. That sucks. <laughs> yeah. And I still, I don't, you ask me how I do the Tartarus thing differently. I don't have, I don't have pre- prepared answers for that. I just know that when I was watching it, especially when I started thinking back on our anticipation of this being a huge plot point and we get 10 minutes of it, uh, it just felt too small. It felt too contained. Um, I don't know. I I really struggled with it. Um, 
But, uh, you know, th- that episode did some things really well. I mean, it really did. There there were moments of brilliance. I loved seeing the, the villain cameos. Uh, you know, all the guys that we uh, had seen, like, at the summer camp and Stain. And uh, for me, Nagant, who you're unfamiliar with. And um, I, I thought, is this the episode where Spinner spoke, too? I think it yeah, did. Two, I think it uh, is. 128 is when Spinner was talking to Shigaraki. Yeah, like, they expanded on that, which was great. Um, I mean... I just for for something that's so cataclysmically bad, I I understand your perspective where you I I liked what you said where it was just like they they did a good job of of showing how easily that they were able to pull this thing off, which you know it's a display of power, right, right? and capability. I understand that, but I think they could have done. Both. I think they could have done more on the showing more like just to tease it out a little bit, man. I'm telling you, you go read the manga and you'll see that the anime is definitely an improvement um, over the, the Tartarus breakout. But it also could have done so much more to be even better. And it and it just doesn't. Um, well, so I don't know. I'll tell you my my biggest frustration with the Tartarus breakout. And it's not what your frustration is, is that it should have been longer or at least more played up, right? It should have felt, it should have felt like a bigger deal than it was. Cause it, they just kind of like snapped their fingers and they broke people out of Tartarus and it wasn't that big of a deal. Right. You're now you're saying the opposite of what well, you said. Well, no, no, earlier. no, hold on. Let me, let me finish. <laughs> so the only thing I was really surprised about is that that facility had no countermeasures for what happened. Like you're telling me they went all these years and they never once had an incident. It feels like knowing that the Shia Hasaikai had bullets that literally kills a quirk. There's no way the government doesn't get that researched and developed or, or, you know, reverse engineered and gives every single guard there a gun with 17 rounds of that in it. No way. Right, right. So, okay. Yeah. Um, you know what I mean? Like that's an immediate. Their, yeah. Their countermeasures, the, the equivalent, their countermeasures were twofold. One, uh, isolate isolate the the island. So they drop some bridges. People can't fly or swim, especially not corked individuals. <laughs> yeah, Come right. On, guys, right. Um, <laughs> then, then they, they man. This is just making it worse. You've, oh, you've no, made I've this unleashed worse. it. I've unleashed it <laughs> because because they go through. They have that line in there that's just like ah, bullets. You know, whatever. They're bullets. They don't do much. But that's their freaking countermeasure for everything in there. Yeah. It's just bullets. Yeah. I mean, they said it in the episode, like, oh, well, we couldn't kill that guy with bullets, but but then we're just going to arm our guards with regular old, you know, bullets. It just, I was very shocked that nobody there had, like, cork-suppressing collars on like they have in, like, Marvel or DC, or that they weren't all just armed with cork-killing bullets, because you can't tell me the government wouldn't want their hands on something like that for these villains. You know, I'm just I I'm shocked that they even have people in there with quirks. It seems like their obvious immediate answer would be to if they knew that bullet existed, which they have to at this point to have taken a bunch of those and just given every single one of those inmates a shot. I mean, it seems like with (laughs) what they've talked about, having already run into a bunch of issues with like human rights and human right violations, that that would have just been another thing on their list. You know what I mean? I just, that kind of shocked me that that, that their only countermeasures are things that quirks immediately overcome. Uh, but you know, I don't know, like it's not like if this place existed in real life, I would necessarily agree with having those measures either. So I don't know. It's just, but you know, it's an anime. It doesn't have to be real world. So it was just interesting that they didn't have that. Uh, Cause I figured they would have, if, if anything, at least for someone like Gigantomachia or all for one. 
I didn't think I was going to walk away from this episode more frustrated with the, with 128 than I than I was when I sat down to it. But you've you've accomplished. You're welcome. Much. You're yeah. welcome. Have a have a bite of my frustrations. <laughs> let's um let's let's cleanse the palate with some. Quirkles, I like that. Yes, those are generally more positive. They tend to be. So I didn't come up with any this time. I've just been super busy uh, with work and. But the, the finish line for that is is impending. Like, I've got, like, six more days and I can breathe again. But uh, we got four submitted uh, oh, from the Discord yeah. this time. And I'm pretty sure uh, one of them is a first-time uh, submission uh, from Sweet. Thunderstorm. So I'll rattle these off and you can react to them however you see fit. So, again, Quirkles, for those of you who, uh, who have found us and maybe not know what that is, uh, we look at the Wordle solutions for the previous full month. So these are pulling from December's word list. We provide that list in the show notes of every episode. Um, so you could go look at the previous completed month's word list and pull one or more words, slap them together, and describe a quirk uh, based on those words. So for examples, uh, here are four from Black Rain. In the uh, Discord, he says, uh, his is Lunar Eject. Uh, let your minds think about that one. He says, this is a jumping quirkle. It's just a quirk, um, but it's a jumping quirk. The person has the ability to jump great distances and heights. They can even learn to do quick, powerful jumps to bounce around a room. Now the lunar part of this quirk comes in with the phases of the moon itself. The power levels or the distance the person can jump change with the moon. A full moon, the hero could jump a tall building with ease or jump over a mile long from a standing start. But no moon, they may be able to jump the length of a football field. So I like that he tied it to the moon. Yeah, That's that pretty is cool. pretty neat. Um, from Stricken, he submitted Havoc Chord. Uh, this person can create a noise that causes disorientation and confusion in those nearby. More effective, the better the target's hearing, and the sonic vibrations can even cause mild discomfort or nausea in those with reduced hearing uh, or those who may be deaf. If they work on improving the skill, it can even be used to generate short-term hallucinations in the mind of those who hear it. Oh, I dig that, man. So That's he- literally like a bard ability. That is so up my alley. Love yeah, it. it's 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 like it's shards like, of chaos. It's kind of like the brown note. Yeah, <laughs> it's kind of like the brown note too. A little oh bit. yeah, Only, yeah, yeah. I mean, that would certainly like if somebody played if the brown note was. I don't think it's a real thing, uh, but uh, I don't know. Maybe I'm wrong. But if that were a thing, or if it is a thing, and you are targeted by it, it would be it would cause disorientation and confusion very much. Yeah, no joke. <laughs> but to, for some folks, I guess it would be medication. So who knows? That's true. Oh, that's right. Yeah, that's that's pretty sharp. <laughs> Free laxatives. Um, so Thunderstorm submitted his first Quirkle. He calls it Third Knock. If the user hits two consecutive punches on a person they are fighting, they have a one in three chances to knock the enemy out on the third punch. And the user then has a six-minute cooldown on the ability. That seems really powerful. That's interesting. Uh, it's like It's like a more complicated one-punch man. Or, yeah, like, or, or like that mixed with like uh, Domino from the X-Men. I think it's Domino that I'm thinking of. Where there's like a chance-based thing here. Yeah. That's yeah. cool. I like that. Because uh, there's there, there'd be a lot to keep up with. I mean, you'd, if you're in a fight with like 10 folks, you got to hold off everybody else for, you know, six minutes each. Well, you got to think too that he doesn't suggest that the first two of the three punches are super powered at oh, all. Oh, that's true. So... You could throw him at all for one and cross your fingers and hope, or he's just dead. Man, can you imagine playing punch buggy with your buddies? Like, just forgetting? Or that's how you find out <laughs> they, you have that quirk? 
<laughs> right, right, right. That, w- that would be a horrible way. You just, I mean, although um, it is, <laughs> I mean, it's just a knockout, so you're not killing people. Yeah, but you know, that would be rough. That would be a that would be a hard one to figure out. I feel like that would also be something that's like, how do you figure out you have that quirk? You know, some of the quirks that we we see on display, I'm always curious, like, how did that manifest, and how did they understand? the inner workings like hero killer stains quirk how did he figure that out man i don't know we've, we've postulated this before yeah that. yeah quirks are <laughs> yeah. funny when you start to think about how they manifest they are um raw 32 also submitted one his is called impel excel the user of this quirk is able to make another individual do the best that is physically possible at whatever it is they are trying to do an example being that using this quirk on a pro basketball baseball player rather will make them throw the best pitch of their career every time the drawback is that the user can only target one individual so it's less effective if they're trying to support a large army as opposed to an individual Uh, and then he says at first i thought maybe deku had this quirk uh early on in the episode or in the uh anime which is pretty cool cool. uh and then he says added bonus it rhymes yeah it is an added bonus that's a neat neat quirk i love all of the uh, like support role quirks that have kind of come out recently in these quirkles cuz it feels like a lot of them are folks that would be there to support the all mites you know someone that like right. that quirk in itself like all well i mean i guess it could go either way for a big villain too you know that that could wreak some havoc but like the idea being that you kind of aren't the main hero you're the sidekick of the main hero you know i right. like that that's so cool All right, man. Well, I think that'll wrap us up. We've covered 127 and 128 of this week's episodes for My Hero Academia. Um, I enjoyed them. I think we've like obviously talked about a lot of high points and low points. And not only are you going to get to hear our opinions of it, but this week we're doing something a little special. Why don't you key him in on what it is, Atkins? Yes, we are having Mark of the Hero Notes pod join us for a segment. I don't know that we haven't come up with the a, a kitschy, catchy name for it yet, but it's basically just Mark is mad about something and he, he needs to tell people and we're a platform that he's free to use. <laughs> so <laughs> the next few minutes are just going to be Mark ranting about something in episodes 127. I think it's 128 specifically. Uh, and then you'll, you'll hear our usual music outro uh, at, at the, the or int- bring bring about the end of the episode. It's just going to be Mark and then the music saying, "All right, we'll see you yeah, in two weeks." And we, we'll see you in two weeks. We hope you enjoy Mark's bit. So, Batman Beyond, Mark here. So, the Tartarus prison security system just doesn't make any amount of sense. Things become inconsistent. Things just disappear conveniently for the plot. The doors are just, I, I don't understand what is the point of the crank, but we're going to get into that. Let's start with the with their understanding of a security system. So they have a surveillance system. Fine. They have a security system. Fine. It's good that those are separate. But the fact that once the surveillance system was down, the security system is just, just I guess, stops working. Despite the fact they explicitly say that it is in fact working, we see the shutters going down. So let, let's just let's just start with the let's just start with the cameras. So apparently the guns will have cameras on them. We get set up way before uh, season three, episode twenty-two. Talk about your quirk. What we learn there that those things that there there are sensors that are you know checking like all for one for instance his brainwaves his vitals. And if he, you know, even when he tries to scratch his back, all the guns just immediately point to him. He he can't do anything without them without them noticing. Yes, there's cameras on the guns. Cool, fine. So you can see what they're pointing at. Apparently, those guns, I I guess, are operated manually because otherwise they should have done something. Uh, or their surveillance system is so tied to the security system that they're 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 just when one goes down, the other's just completely incapacitated. So we see all for one's prison block. Cause we're just gonna focus on there. All for one's prison block. We see it 
five times. We see it in just an initial kind of establishing thing in the opening. We see the, the establishing before the attack where it emphasizes the, the shutters and the guns. We see it when all the shutters, like the security gate things, uh, are coming down. And then we see it when the EMP happens. And then we see it when he breaks out of the door or like breaks through the door. So we see the shutters going down. Like we are explicitly shown it's in that cell block. We see the shutters going down. We see the guns already. When he actually breaks out or like when he senses like EMP or whatever he's doing, all the shutters are just mysteriously gone. They're not even all the way up. They are just gone from the scene, and so are all of the guns. They're just not there, because that is what we have to do to be convenient. In the manga, it is a little ambiguous which block is coming. those gates are coming down on. Uh, in, though it, it very easily could be all for ones. That's kind of the implication, but it's not as explicitly shown as it is here. But, but they, they come down, and then they're just gone. And then he breaks out, and, and not only has he broken out, the, the security gates are now back up in the rest position, which means they operate in Five Nights of Freddy's logic, where they have to be powered to go down, but when they don't have power, they automatically go back up. Because I can't think of literally any other explanation possible for why they're not down. You, you, we went out of their way in both the original, like the source material and this, of showing us all these things going down in that specific prison block, only for them to just disappear and then be, be totally useless. And it was, what was the point of that? What, what was the point of showing us these metal security doors coming down if they're just, we don't even see them go back up. They're just, they're just not there one second, and then they're back up in the rest position. Like, this is a terrible security system. There is no argument for this that I can think of that makes Tartarus Prison look good from that perspective. It's either they, the security, or like this camera system goes down, so they go back up, or the security system goes down, so they go back up, and it's just, it's, oh, or the power goes out, and they just somehow go back up. It's just, it, it's baffling how stupid it is oh and then the doors for the prison there's a in the manga they definitely just kind of swing open without anybody pushing them in, in the show they do kind of get pushed on a little bit but we see several we see uh in this episode the backs of some of those doors we see it in over no overhauls is manga only actually but we see it in stain and moonfish's room we also see it in muscular's room briefly i guess somebody let him out of that uh, like restraint or that restraint was entire electrically powered i don't know but those doors those doors are just metal on the back there's no, there's no lock or no gauge which means that those doors have no physical apparatus that locks them in so those cranks on the front are entirely ornamental even nagat opening overhaul's door because for some reason he couldn't open his uh maybe it was too heavy for him uh, just that like we see her kind of in a hand in a crank, like turning a crank motion, but that could just be her opening the door. I, I genuinely, they're ornamental, I guess. There's no physical backup. It's all electrical. So if the power goes out, everybody escapes. It is it is an absolutely bafflingly stupid security system. This entire thing, the entire Tartarus escape is so not good in its like convenience and how things are just not there for the sake of not being there. There were ways to hint at all the themes for the upcoming arcs, like with this Tartarus escape, like lay those seeds here in a, in a way that would make this all feel plausible. But nope, we just go for the stupidest possible string of events where things aren't consistent from minute to minute, and it's, it's just so bad. I don't have any good things to say about the Tartarus escape.